CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on the Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, you're watching Coindesk TV and you are watching The Hash. I am Zach Seward. I am joined today by my lovely co-hosts, Wendy O, Will Foxley, and Jensen Assey. Jen, you're leading us off today. What do you got? All right. So there's a new op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. It's titled, The SEC Treats Crypto Like the Rest of the Capital Markets. And it's written by SEC Chair Gary Gensler. He compares crypto to car manufacturers. He says, in September 1966, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the National Traffic and Motor Vehicle Safety Act. Nearly six decades later, seatbelts and other basic safety features remain standard. That's true despite many innovations in automotive technology. Similarly, he goes on and says, the laws that were made to protect investors shouldn't change just because a different technology is used. So the article is mostly focused on crypto lending platforms. There's not much talk about defining what's a security and what's not a security. Wendy, I know you have lots of thoughts on this, so I'd love to hear your opinions first. So if we're going to go by that logic, wouldn't the interest that's given back to us by leaving our money in our savings account at these centralized entities, also known as banks, shouldn't that be classified as a security as well? I don't know. One of the things I'm having really big issues with is we're not just talking about brand new technology. We're talking about brand new technology that has all these different subgroups. It's not just like a car. You literally put a car together and it goes. I know that there's different parts, different things that are required for that. But at the same time, we're talking about a technology that's got all these different subgroups that do different things. Some of them are currencies. Some of them are layer two solutions. Some of those are the actual building. Some is the code that puts things together. Some are smart contracts. Some is money, et cetera. So if we just focus on putting everything under one basket, what we're going to end up doing is kind of stifling the entire industry, stifling innovation, and at the same time, really stifling the economy in the United States of America, because we're going to see more people that have the opportunity to make a lot, a lot of money, move overseas and develop in a place where it's safe for them to do so. And then the United States doesn't get any of those tax dollars. So at the end of the day, it's really hurting the entire country. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like to see Gary Gensler punching back a little bit. It's kind of funny, actually. If you just look at it from a narrative perspective, a lot of people on crypto Twitter and in general have just been very unhappy with him ever since he came into office. They've not been very thrilled with his Bitcoin moves, whether it be the ETFs. They haven't been very happy with his moves against exchanges. 
notably Coinbase this last summer, had not been happy with his stance on tokens and the lack of guidance for these projects. But doesn't care. He's fighting back, right? He's posted a lot of videos and now we have this Wall Street Journal op-ed. So just from like a, a larger comm strategy perspective, that's very interesting as well. And to be honest, this op-ed just sort of follows up on what the SEC has been saying for quite a while. Uh, they think that these lending platforms, these um, sort of neo banks for crypto really are securities and they've followed through on that. And that's where they're going after a few different firms. Uh, BlockFi, I think it was last summer, they started making an inquiry into them. And now Coinbase this summer for securities, a little bit different than lending itself. But obviously the SEC has its own opinion on these things. I think I do speak for the industry a little bit though, or at least can reflect on what they say. And hey, we want more guidance and more clarity. We don't just want more op-eds and punching back. Zach, up to you. Yeah, definitely stoked to be a conversation online. We saw Mark Cuban, the noted Shark Tank investor and Dallas Mavericks owner, sort of, you know, strike back at this statement, you know, saying, hey, you should make these more clear. Can we get some clear guidance here? If you guys know so much, where's the guidance? And it was funny to see him sort of rail against this op-ed on Twitter, as did others. Uh, but it is, uh, I think, to Will's point, it's interesting to see Gensler strike back, right? He's been sort of working his magic a little bit behind the scenes and has yet to make very loud pronouncements. We've seen some interesting, you know, like SEC, like meme commercials. We've seen other sort of enforcement action, obviously. But for Gensler to come out and sort of clearly articulate his rationale for why crypto doesn't deserve special treatment is certainly notable, right? There are different things to these technologies that could be used to make sure that consumer protections were enforced. Uh, but clearly, the view here is that we should have same framework for different type of things, as opposed to creating a new framework for a new set of technologies. Clearly, Gensler's view is, no, we need to have these, these things comport with existing rules that date back to the 30s and even beyond. I saw Wendy. I saw Will. I'm going to toss it to Wendy, and then maybe we'll get in there, too. I really agree with Mark Cuban here. If Gary actually really cared, where's the action? Why haven't we seen the actual protection occur? We haven't. We've seen nothing happen. The only thing that we have seen is we've seen the SEC go after crypto companies or however you want to classify them years after they have launched. How is this helping the industry? Instead of Gary posting articles for Forbes or Wall Street Journal or wherever and doing positive PR for himself, when is the actual work being done? Where is our taxpayer dollars going? Where is the money going that's funding the SEC? Great question. I'm just looking at his Twitter account really quickly as a side. And every time he posts, he gets massively ratioed. This guy is not doing super well on Twitter. Maybe he should just log out for a little bit. Let's go over <laughs> to Coinbase, though, and talk about more negative news this morning. Coinbase is being sued for $5 million by a retail investor, it looks like. Basically alleging that Coinbase has failed to protect retail investors from using the app, notably during times of volatility, when the application has been known to shut down pretty frequently, honestly. It's sort of a meme at this point. Coinbase kind of just sinks out when crypto markets go crazy, which we haven't seen for a little bit, sadly. I'd love actually for this to occur again because it probably means Bitcoin's price is going up. But uh, not, not super shock shocking to see this, like a class action lawsuit as well. Zach, I want to throw this one over to you. Uh, this is sort of like the next narrative, I think, for next six, 12 months, to all the class action lawsuits being rolled out against all the new investors and retail investors who got into crypto, didn't quite know what they're operating with. And a lot of startups that are still trying to sh struggling to build products that are meaningful and useful. And then retail gets wrecked and everybody gets really upset. 
I'm kind of rolling my eyes here. I mean, this is sort of like feels like ambulance chasing a little bit, right? It's like, I'm sad. I lost my money. I need to find someone to blame to make me whole again. Let me file a class action lawsuit against the platform that I used to buy bad things. I don't like it. I don't know. Anybody can file a lawsuit. We'll see where this goes. But sure, are there going to be more disgruntled people out there potentially looking to get their pound of flesh? Yes, I bet so. Am I being not very empathetic to their plight? Yes, definitely. Should that be the case? Probably not. But I'll toss it to Wendy for her thoughts. I think it's kind of funny in like the little summary about the lawsuit that they stated Coinbase goes down all the time during volatility or something to that extent. So if that is in fact true, which I know it to be true, and this is why I use multiple different crypto exchanges, because I know that you cannot rely on them all the time. Why would this person that is suing not do the same or expect Coinbase to go down in a very volatile situation? Therefore, indicating that in the trading or investing plan as a bullish or bearish scenario, depending on whatever it is you're trying to do. Yeah, I agree with Zach on this one. I do think, though, that the SEC is going to narrow in on these class action lawsuits again as, as a narrative to push through the, the regulation they want to push through. I think we're going to see them point to these retail investors who feel like they didn't understand the platform as an excuse to say there needs to be more regulation. And so it's just this like really cyclical, um, these cyclical events that are all feeding into each other, which needs to be broken. But Will, what do you think? Yeah, I, I can sort of understand where this person is coming from a little bit. If they're a trader and Wendy, as you know, like if there's a bug in the trading platform, something happens and your trade doesn't go through, it's not executed correctly, or if it does go through and you didn't want it to go through, whatever may happen. That's a technical error on the behalf of the exchange, and it causes a negative experience for the trader. And that can result in lots of money lost, a lot of money lost. And that's why Binance actually became so big, because it was so good as a platform. A lot of people enjoyed using it, and FTX has risen based on that as well, right? FTX, it's owned for traders, built by traders, and the experience on it is really awesome. Coinbase Pro is a really well-known exchange also, just because traders enjoy that experience. The Coinbase, the retail side, or previously before they were split, not as great. A lot of times it would go down. A lot of people are very frustrated about it. And so if you are stuck in a bad trade, that can be the case. But to Zach's point, I do think this case here, what we see is someone who's retail getting into it, try, probably trying to panic sell or whatever, and then didn't go through just because Coinbase was down. And all of a sudden, they're out some money and they're playing Coinbase for it. Jen, I'll throw it back to you. I think this is a little bit opportunistic also. The, action, the class action lawsuit says that the platform allowed users to trade unregistered securities, but I don't think that the SEC has actually found that yet. I feel like maybe uh, retail investors have seen the headlines and they're like, oh, unregistered securities, let's start this lawsuit because I don't think that the SEC has found that. I know that they're investigating the offering on, on Coinbase and are alleging that some, some of the tokens offered are unregistered securities, but we haven't actually had any answers yet. Zach, what do you think? No, that, that's right. You, you had it. Yeah, they said like eight or nine were securities, but where that stands uh, as legal proceeding is unclear, right? This was in the, the, uh, the insider trading uh, suit that was filed against a couple of traders over at Coinbase. They were also mentioning these, these digital assets that looked like securities. So anyway, TBD. Let's leave it there. Coindesk has a new event. It's called Ideas, the Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprises Summit. 
It facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets, all in one place. Use code HASH20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coinest.com forward slash ideas. Sports Desk. You know my name, but it's got nothing on the real thing. Join the ride for my upcoming season. Introducing signature experiences by autograph. That right there is Tom Brady, quarterback in the National Football League. Introducing some NFTs that do stuff. Utility, NFTs, sports, Tom Brady. That's what we got going on here with this news out of autograph. I'm going to throw it straight to Will for his thoughts on this thing. I don't know why I'd ever buy this, but I am a Broncos fan. So it's it's a little come from a different place or I don't want to play Tom Brady or even look at him. But there's a lot of Tom Brady fans out there. The most winning NFL player ever. Six Super Bowls, seven Super Bowls now, right? Crazy on Super Bowls. Makes sense for people who want to purchase this. And this is like the next frontier for a lot of fan engagements. They want NFTs. They have a cell phone. Makes sense to purchase those two things, put them together bring the fan experience together. The nice thing about this is you like do get access to events. You do get access to some things around Tom Brady. I think like some sort of personal access, things he's doing on the field, stats, information like that. And we've seen that be like a really winning playbook. So like the one that's pretty recent is the Pudgy Penguins, right? Kind of hilarious, but also they've been putting in the hard work and they issued some new like stuffed animals and other stuff like that. And the token for Pudgy Penguins has been going up quite a bit because of that. So if you have this sort of real world adoption with NFTs, you add some sort of physical element, we see that the price of the NFT itself also goes up. Expect the same thing to happen here with the Tom Brady token. Uh, well, I don't know if it's actually a token, but at least the Tom Brady NFT series, as we should say. Jen, I'll throw it to you. Well, I'm going to tell you why you would get this. Tom Brady is going to be at those mm-hmm. events. And so I think this just makes a lot of sense nah. when we talk about what you just said, how much you love Tom Brady, and now you don't know why you want the NFT. He's going to be there. You get to talk to him and maybe even graze his shoulder. Probably he has security. I think this is the next level of, of fandom though, right? It's just like the natural evolution. So before the internet, celebrities were kind of over there and we were over here, we didn't have any access to them. Web2 came along, you know, we can engage with celebrities on social media, although it's like really curated and the engagement is kind of passive. Now we have NFTs that actually bring us into, again, a curated, but into the next level, I guess, world of these athletes and artists. And I think it's really interesting. It's breaking down a lot of those barriers kind of between us and them. I think the challenge though, for a lot of these athletes and uh, musicians and celebrities is going to be maintaining that community. You know, this is really a full-time job to be like actively engaged with your NFT holders and not upset your NFT holders, deliver on those milestones, deliver on these out of these world events that people are paying their hard-earned cash for. And so I hope that, I'm sure Tom Brady is aware, but I hope that when other influential people get involved in these projects, that they are prepared to actually deliver Zach, did I see your hand go up? You did. I, I was just out of that, just imagining like Tom Brady as the actual like community moderator in the Discord, just being like, GM, wag it. me, yeah. fam. <laughs> like just replying. It's so funny. It's so funny. He's just making sure that it works. But I think to the bigger point, like you hear a lot of noise about like fan engagement and how NFTs can open up a new chapter in the history of fan engagement. And credit to Autograph and credit to Tom Brady here. 
for actually doing it, right? This is something that, you know, NFTs enable. If you have this NFT in your wallet, you are able to participate in subsequent events. You have a relationship that is mediated by the blockchain that it's on, Polygon in this instance. So that's super interesting. And I think it's really cool to see prominent players in the space experimenting with what NFTs can do when they're not just a card or a picture, right? They're a key that gets you things. And people are experimenting, and in this instance, experimenting uh, pretty creatively in what that key can open, whether that's hanging out with him, being a special live stream, whatever. The fact that they're doing this, I think, is interesting and sort of um, subsumes a lot of the dreams of what fan tokens could be, right? This is something that I think you know we saw from various musical acts over the years. And the fact that Tom Brady is experimenting with it is super cool. Wendy, what are your thoughts? Well, technically, an NFT is a token. So shouldn't Gary Gensler come after Tom Brady? Wendy, don't issues. put ideas <laughs> a battle we into did Gary Gensler's head. Coming. Don't put this into the ether. I, would, I'm, yeah, I'm I don't want to, but I'm going to play the devil's <laughs> advocate here. And the reason why is because Gary is basically talking about that laws from the SEC from the 1930s and 40s should apply to today and our technology. But when you look at an NFT, NFT is a token. And this particular token does have some sort of utility. And it has utility for people that are Tom Brady fans. Is this a security or not? I mean, what? I bet they got lawyered up pretty good. But yeah, if it's like a low-key NFT investment contract because you get the you get the benefit of some future thing, yeah, there's 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 definitely some questions around that. And I think that's why we've seen in the US context, fan tokens really haven't gone anywhere at all because I think there's a lot of projects that are scared of what might happen as it relates to US securities regulations. So yeah, I mean, when do you right to bring it up? How sad though, like how sad is that, that we're debating over some of these small technicalities and we can have this whole industry that can truly merge into something awesome and make a lot of money. And the government is going to get their kick in taxes. It's going to happen. They're going to get paid. So I don't understand why they're not willing to work with us in some capacity. That's all that I have to say. Gotta protect the consumers. As Super Bowl 73, Tom Brady versus Gary Gensler. Who you got? Who you got? Let's go. Tap me in, Tom. Tap me in. (laughs) I was going to say, as the hash legal representative, I'm willing to bet that um, Tom Brady's lawyers would argue that people who hold this NFT aren't expecting to see any profit from it in the future. It is really just uh, a membership to a club where they get access to exclusive perks. So I think, Wendy, that utility is the interesting part in the argument. But definitely, yes, I agree that if we were to apply the Howey test to many of these NFT projects, we may come to the conclusion that they are, in fact, securities. And I just I get quieter believe, when I I'm say willing. that. because Cough, cough, royalties. Cough, cough, IT rights. Cough, cough, secondary. Royalties are cool. I believe in Tom Brady's legal team. I believe they're an amazing team. <laughs> Super, they're champion, championship level lawyers. All right, Wendy, take I, it away. I believed in Dragon Coin's legal team as well. Just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> this next story is kind of cool. And it is from sammobile.com. Samsung. Oh, it's from Coindesk. Okay. Well, Samsung may launch their own crypto exchange platform in 2023. So 7S Korean brokerage plans to start crypto exchange next year. Authorities in the country have trending towards strict oversight since Terra USD collapse. So I actually want to toss this over to Will for your thoughts on this. 
if we have strict regulatory oversight in a particular region, how could a big brand like Samsung possibly launch this? I think that's exactly why they would be able to launch this, right? The more that there's regulatory clarity, the more willingness that a large established firm is going to have to get into a new market like this. For the most part, a lot of these big exchanges have not wanted to touch crypto, and it's because it is very unclear what is crypto in the first place. You know what Bitcoin is? Basically, no Ethereum is at this point. All these other tokens, not really sure. What's an NFT? How do we even like regulate that at all? So these huge, huge exchanges have not wanted to touch this. And these huge corporations also have not wanted to do this. That's what makes the last year or so really interesting, right? We see corporations and institutions come into crypto in a meaningful way. And this Samsung partnership seems to be in a similar vein. Notably, Samsung has actually been involved in crypto in a few different ways. They make a lot of the chips that are used in mining machines, or they make a lot of the software stuff that's used for wallets. I think some of their actual cell phones have had wallet integrations in the past but they haven't had an exchange. Like That's a completely different product. And like this article talks about, Samsung actually is one of the largest investment firms in the country. And so for them to get from investing into the exchange side, it's a pretty normal leap that we see a lot of teams take. They just weren't able to do it last year because there wasn't a lot of talent on the market. A lot of other people were just picking up tech devs wherever they could. And Samsung had to wait until the bear market to do that. So if you're looking for a job, you get technical jobs, maybe move to South Korea and uh, pick up with Samsung. Jen, I'll throw it over to you. Okay, so I lived in Korea for a year and a half, and because of that, I've coined myself the expert on Korean news on this show. And so I think to, this story is really, really interesting, right? So if we look at the South Koreans, they are a very proud people and, and culturally very proud, right? And this is a result of the Korean War. So many Koreans who are currently living in South Korea lived through the Korean War. It only finished in 1953. And because of that, they fly the Korean brand flag very loud and proud. So Samsung in Korea is not like Samsung anywhere else. They make cars, they have hospitals, they have theme parks, they obviously have the in-home appliances, they have insurance, hotels, billboards. And so for them to get into crypto exchanges, I think is a really interesting play and would be that push that would get that mainstream adoption that we talk about so much. On the other hand of things, Korean business and corruption kind of go hand in hand, and that's also a fallout of the Korean War. So this month, we learned that Samsung heir Lee Jae-young, who was convicted of bribery and embezzlement in 2017, was granted a special presidential pardon because South Korea's government says they need him back at the helm of Samsung to spearhead economic recovery. So... In Korea, they have this term uh, for big business. It, it has something to do with octopuses because big Korean business have their tentacles kind of squirmed into to a lot of the politics that are happening there. I just don't know with so much corruption happening um, between Samsung and politicians in the country, is this who we want to forge forward when we talk about regulation and innovation in crypto? I think it could end up um, backfiring. But Zach, what do you think? Could end up not coming to pass at all, right? This is based on local reports. So this is definitely not Samsung getting out there and saying, hey, we're doing this thing. This is uh, reported through the rumor mill as it stands right now. Uh, credit to the reporting. Let's hope it uh, is is sound. But just, uh, just a note on uh, what we know and how we know it, whether or not Samsung ultimately becomes one of the big firms offering this service in, in South Korea is still to be determined. That's all I got. 
Good stuff, though. Really good stuff. Hey, man. A little analysis of South Korean markets to wrap up well, the day. Like, you get that anywhere else? Can't really. Yeah. No, no, just here. Only on the hash. Only on the hash. Here we go. <laughs> and uh, we on the hash, do... we also like to celebrate Taco Tuesday. And I don't know if you guys oh, have seen that I it. Love Corn video. Um, I also love Elote, so please go watch that. But happy Taco <laughs> Tuesday, everyone. <laughs> we almost made that it was... into the show without it's that. Taco I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we did it. Oh, that's <laughs> By the way, Thanks, still control, looks for sponsor. Yeah. Thanks, so Control. Amazing. <laughs> Can... We did it. All right. That's it for the show today. There's my face on a giant taco. Stick with us for tomorrow's <laughs> show. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm Zach. That's Wendy, Jen, Will. We're the hash. Check us out on the podcast network. You can hear this on the go. All right. That's it for the show today. We will talk to you soon. Have a great Tuesday. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.